When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Talk Leicester City podcast. Another game, another three points. Looking rosy at the top of the table. We're going to get into the Watford breakdown uh, in just a second. But before we do any of that, James, how are you doing, mate? Not bad. Another good week. Another three points. 11 points clear. So you can't complain. Although some people might try. You can't complain in the slightest. I read these numbers out in my roundup show. But I'm going to read them again, just because I'm never going to get tired of saying it. 75 points, 31 games, 66 goals uh, scored, 12 away wins, 11 points clear of second, 12 points clear of third. And mathematically, impossible for us to get relegated. We're staying up! (laughs) And the other thing I saw, we averaged 2.62 points a game. That's huge. Isn't it normally you need an average of two points per game to get promoted? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolute. Like, we are having an outstanding uh, season. And it's like, you look at the numbers, pretty much every metric is fantastic for us. And something that I want to talk about as well, because yesterday was, like, obviously another three points and another win. But I thought we saw a different side of Leicester yesterday where... Yeah, it wasn't the most beautiful, free-flowing attacking football. I think Ricardo goal in isolation will be one of our goals of the season. But we saw a, like a gritty, defensive, sort of ugly side to Leicester yesterday. Yeah, totally. And I think until they scored, we were in first gear. Mm-hmm. And it's in that bothers that they weren't really attacking. But I think as soon as we let that first goal in, well, their goal in, we, we kind of went a bit backwards then. Um, and then that grittier side came out and we just defended and defended really, really well. Yeah, I think something to say about uh, that game yesterday is I felt like, as you said, we were in control. We got the goal early on. And from there, like it didn't do a huge amount, but it didn't. It always felt like Watford were almost at arm's length and never really a huge threat. When, obviously, Watford scored through Emmanuel Dennis, it was a poor mistake, and we'll get onto it in just a second. It gave Watford belief, and it's it's the old cliche, and it's the old saying, isn't it? But goals change games, and that really felt like it changed the momentum of the game yesterday. Yeah, totally, and it gave them more confidence, and and we saw that as they started to to plough forward a lot more. But I think yeah, we we dug deep, um, and it was a massive three points in the end. Um, although they got belief, they didn't really look like challenging much. 
they were having a lot of ball possession, a lot of attacking play, but I thought the back foot, back four and, and, and our keeper played really, really well. Yeah, I thought Hermanson had to come up with a couple of saves. And it's it's one of those, it's like, I love what Enzo Maresca's doing at the moment. I'm not a huge fan of us when we are sort of like winning games, just sitting deep for that last 10 minutes. Never have been, never will be a fan, like no matter who the manager is. But like I understand why we're doing it. But, like, let's go right back to the start of the game. Before game kicked off, team lineups. Ben Nelson in from the start over Connor Cody. Like we saw it at the end of last week where he came off the bench ahead of Connor Cody. That's one thing. For him to start ahead of Connor Cody, huge, huge statement. Yeah. And I think we said last week he's the next big thing at Leicester. He will be a star, probably play for England one day. Um, and he is a great player. Um, and I still believe Cody's there because he helps everyone. He, he's more of a captain off the pitch. Um, he's probably not at, at his level where he used to be. So I can see why it's happening. But having Nelson there is just unbelievable. Yeah, and I thought something that hasn't really been talked about, but I thought was really, really good from Enzo and really protected Ben Nelson, was bringing him off after 60 minutes. Not because he was playing badly. I thought he was having a decent game. He picked up a yellow card. And then it it just, like the fact that we can rotate like that's brilliant. But again, I thought it was a brilliant little bit of management by Maresca. Yeah, it was his first start, um, giving him a full game. Might have stretched him a bit too far, but 60 minutes, bring him off. He's had a good run. He's played really well. Um, so yeah, bring somebody else on, get some fresh legs on. Um, and it kind of made sense at 60 minutes because um, the way we were playing, the way they were attacking, um, and he just needed to show it up and, and bringing Chowdhury on as well helped that. Yeah. Um, something else in the starting lineup yesterday, Mavadidi rested, which was a bit of a surprise at the time, but I think we all understand why. You can't put the same 11 out week after week after week. And what I would say is with Mavadidi being rested, I would expect then another key member to be rested against Sheffield Wednesday, because we saw last time against Sheffield Wednesday away where we had wholesale changes. Hasn't done that since. It's always been sort of one player rested here, one player rested there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think resting players is key. Squad rotation is key um, to winning this league. Um, and like I say, if you, if you do one at a time, it makes more sense than doing them all together. Um, so it makes sense to rest him. Um, if I'm perfectly honest, like you say, Wednesday on Tuesday night, I got it right then. Um, then I think um, we'll see something else. Um, yeah. may, maybe um, Fatui rested or, or another another one of them, maybe Dewsbury Hall. Yeah, and it's it was brilliant. In fact, like, yes, he was rested, but he was still there off the bench uh, when we needed him. And I think that would be the same for whoever is rested against Wednesday on Tuesday. It's very confusing to say that, isn't it? But um, I thought Casey McAteer came in. He didn't look as comfortable off the left, I didn't think, as he has off the right. No, it's a different position for him. Um but I think I think he, he did his job and did it well and got got a full ninety minutes. So I thought that was quite good to get that under his belt because obviously he's been injured and coming back. Yeah, he's a player, and I took a bit of slack for saying this, but I sort of, I stand by it. I think he's going to be similar to what Hamza Chowdhury is for us, but a player that's maybe never going to be a mainstay in the team, but a player that you can play sort of in multiple positions, and whenever he comes in, is majority of the time going to do a job. Yeah, he might be right. Um, 
we haven't really, I don't think we've seen enough of him at the minute. Um, I think once he finds his right position, I think maybe he'll come on. And, and with Enzo developing as well, he's still young, I think that will help him as well. Yeah, obviously we saw last week him playing in that number eight role and we've seen him play sort of now number eight, left wing, right wing. And then previously when we did play with fullbacks, he's also played as a fullback. So it's like the, the versatility at this age, I think it's, got, it's a positive, I think. But it's also one that you also want to see players at his age play one position and really like develop in that position. Yeah, I think not getting Sensei is why he's doing what he's doing, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I think he'd be that number eight role, that, that midfield general that we need, um, rather, rather than trying to rotate players into that position. Um, and, and maybe that would give McAteer more, more freedom on the wing, where he's probably a bit more used to. Um, but we didn't get that signing, so he's kind of rotating players into it to try and do the job we need to do towards the end of the season. Yeah, and saying about um, that number eight role, because we saw Dennis Pratt came in yesterday. I thought that's one of the best games he's played in a long time. But we've seen Eunice also dropped into that role. It's I feel like until Ndidi's back, we're going to be juggling players to try and find some uh, something that fits. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Ndidi is a huge loss. Um, like I said, if we had Sensei, he'd gone into that role. And I think it's just come at the right, wrong time, Ndidi's injury. Um, so it's difficult. So you just going to put who you can in there um, until Ndidi's ready to come back. It's interesting yesterday as well. I think if the game had gone slightly differently, we probably would have seen him. Will Alves back on the bench? Yeah, I thought I thought we would see him. Um, but again, because we were under the cosh, um, it kind of makes sense not to bring him on. Um, whereas Tuesday night against Wednesday, got it right again. Um, probably if we're winning, might be a good good opportunity home game to bring him on. Yeah, it's it's also how you're winning because, as you say, we were under the cosh, but we were winning that game. But it's like you bring on Hamza Chowdhury, who's a bit more of an experienced player, and he's obviously a bit more combative and more of a defensive-minded player. I think also with Hams Chowdhury, he's got the wearable. He's been in the championship. He's sort of a bit more battle-tested, so to speak. Yeah, it made it made perfect sense to bring him on because um, they, they were attacking and, and, and had quite a lot of possession. So bringing someone that's a bit more defensive-minded that can sit in front of that back four made perfect sense. Alvarez is more attacking and, and might well have left gaps. Yeah. Um, Slept... Like in terms of the game, obviously, we got off to the perfect perfect start with Dennis Pratt getting brought down for a penalty. For me, it was a clear penalty. I've seen a few Watford fans saying that they thought it was very soft. For me, Stonewall, James? Definitely. Uh, looked a penalty at the time, and I've seen it again. It still looks a penalty. Uh, and then Dak has stepped up, and Dak has taken penalties with so much confidence. We kind of knew he was going to score. Yeah, there's an interesting, like a proper conversation now to be had about Dakar because it seems like it's Enzo, he's Enzo Mareska's main man and the man that he's trusting to lead the line. Uh, ten go, ten games, seven goals, three assists. It's like he's he's really stepped up now. He's been given his opportunity, and it's like as frustrating as he is at times, he also offers a huge amount off the ball. Yeah, personally, I think obviously he was he was playing playing well for Zambia and scoring goals left, right, and centre. So, so Enzo's given him his chance, and he's took that chance so well. 
Um, he's doing what he's asked for. He seems to, his game seems to be developing, and like you say, he's scoring goals, he's assisting goals, he's doing what needs to be done in that position. Yeah, and it's also like uh, how many times have we seen it where a player doesn't get the move that they want, they strop around, and like when they're not being played, head drops, attitude completely changes. He's been the perfect example of what to do if you don't get the move that you wanted. Because he wanted to go to Bournemouth. That didn't happen. He's now got his head down. And when he wasn't playing, he was doing interesting interviews, saying where he's looking at how he can develop and improve his game. And like he's clearly worked hard, kept himself fit. And now like he's taking his opportunities with both hands. Yeah, for, for me, he probably did, did want the move, didn't get the move. Um, Enzo's obviously given him that opportunity, but it's win-win for both parties. He he plays well, does what he's asked for every week, and the club benefit from it. But also he benefits from it because it puts him in that shot window if he still wants that move at the end of the season, rather than you see a lot of players downing tools, don't play, um, and just hope they can get a move at the end of the season. So I think he's doing it the right way. Yeah, and my thing is, I don't think he will want to move if we're back in the Premier League. And if he's then, if he is the main man, which it looks like, um, it looks like Enzo Maresca's shaping that way. Obviously, you've got Tom Cannon and you've got um, Ian Acho, who are like, Ian Acho, I don't think will be here next year. Tom Cannon's a very good young striker, and I think there's a huge amount of potential there. And you've got Vardy, but. It seems at the moment Dakar is the preferred option, and I don't know if that's his work rate off the ball that neither of the other two uh, give you anymore. I think Vardy used to give it, but I don't think he can run around and press and uh, have that relentless energy that he used to have. Yeah, and, and that's what Dakar's doing. He's off the ball running. He's as good as he's on the ball running at the minute. Um, so I think he's doing really well. The development's obviously working really well. And at the end of the season... In the Premier League, it's that decision. It's be a, be a decision that he needs to make whether he stays or goes. But I think the way he's playing, the way Enzo seems to be developing, Enzo seems to like him quite quite a lot now. Um, I can see that that kind of being a short conversation. Like, let's stick in the Premier League and see how we get on. Yeah, you'd have to imagine so because I can't help feeling him wanting to leave at the end of the season wasn't him wanting to leave Leicester. It was him wanting to leave the Championship and go back to the Premier League. The, I don't think the law particularly was Bournemouth. I think the law was staying in the Premier League. Yeah, Premier League is always going to be a big draw. Um, for me, I, th- I think it was also first-team football um, because any footballer that wants a career will, will need first-team football if they want to play international, etc. And he wasn't getting first-team football, so that's also a reason to move. Um, but now he's getting first-team football, seems to be enjoying his football again. Um, so end of the season... Um, I, I hope he stays and I hope he does what he's been doing this season in the Premier League. Yeah, and it's like, it's a small sample size, 10 games. So what I'm hoping is we don't look back on this at the end of the season and think, oh, do you remember that Dakar purple patch at, uh, in January and start of February? It's like, I'm hoping that there's like some consistency to it because Ian Acho, like, and I know we joke about it, but Ian Acho is a perfect example of a purple patch player. Like he'll go through a patch where he will look unbelievable and then look absolutely off it for another period of games and then look unbelievable again. I'm hoping now with Dakar, it's a bit of consistency. Yeah, and, and I, I hope he gets that time in the team to prove that consistency. 
um, mm-hmm. which it look, looks like he will get. He seems to be that main striker. So I think keep him in the team, hopefully he can do well. And I, I think it helps having the players they've got around him. Takes the pressure off him a little bit because you've got Mavadidi and Fatou who can bring the ball down both wings and, and cut inside and things um, and help him a lot. Um, so them three seem to be the the, the three trio that, that you'd want in the Premier League uh, from the players we've got here at the minute. Yeah, 100%. We are, are going to do something slightly different this week, and I'm hoping this uh, becomes a regular feature most weeks, and I hope you guys do enjoy this. So uh, if you're not already, follow the Let's Talk Leicester City account on Twitter because we're starting to post more and more on there. So I'll put that link in the description. But we did a three-word uh, match review after yesterday's game. So we're going to go through a few of those. So we've got uh, It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie uh, Vardy podcast, so Mark Manderfield. Again, I'm going to be starting to go on there, but just saying straight back up. <laughs> Luke saying 4-4-2. Um, Gary saying get it forward. Uh, Fearless Foxes, critical promotion win. Blue Fox, few free points. And John Newbold, an ugly win. Let's uh, keep going through these and see if there's any more. Oh, James set with the Foxes slavey. I think that's a wasp, isn't it? But it should be a hornet. A hornet. <laughs> Are you sure? That looks like a wasp. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a hornet. We'll go with it. And then me just straight back up. But again, as I say, we want to try and get more and more of these involved over the next uh, next few weeks. So do follow on Twitter and um, we'll be trying to uh, make this a regular feature of, of a free word review. But I think some of those that summed it up perfectly for me was it was an ugly win, but um, it was critical for promotion. Like as you say, not every win is going to be like this free-flowing attacking football. Sometimes you have to dig deep and play that ugly side of the game. If you want to go up, you need to be, you need to win at your best, but you also need to win at your worst. Um, and, and that's what we're doing. Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes it doesn't look good. Sometimes it's ugly. But if you're dragging out them wins and and grinding the three points week in week out, you'll go up, and that's what's needed this season. Yeah, so we've seen some of the best attacking football we like the championship has seen this season from from ourselves, but it cannot be that every single game. No, every single game you see to score and, and don't try not to concede. Um, and yes, there is one of them where it was two one and we were just grinding out the result to get the three points. Um, yes, it's not pretty at times, but if you want to see pretty, just rewatch that second goal. Yeah, same. That was that will be our goal of the season. Well. Uh, Maybe not our goal of the season, but it'll at least be a contender. Yeah, again, if, um, Ricardo will get the applause for it. But if you if you look at Winx's pass, the first pass, it's unbelievable to get the move going. It's like it's the fact it starts at Hermanson, goes through Winx, um, just like that is what Enzo ball is, and that's what like the, the Enzo way is. It's playing like from. Defence to attack and a proper, proper team goal. Yeah, p- people don't like, and, and we, we see every week, get it forward and lump it forward. Um, why are we, we creating from the back? The reason we create from the back is because it pulls the opposition out of position and they're not used to it. Um, and that goal proves it. Winks had the ball and it pulled their midfield out of position, which, which, which enabled Winks to put the ball straight through their midfield and there was no one there for Ricardo to run onto. 
Um, and that's Enzo Ball at his finest. Yeah, we saw, it's funny because I think we almost saw the worst of Enzo Ball and the best of Enzo Ball yesterday. With uh, with Ricardo's goal, that's very much what it's all about and what it's meant to be. The Watford goal, it's like it's one of those that if you watch it back, it looks awful and it's a poor mistake from Harry Winks. But it's a risk and reward style of football, and uh, we will concede those goals occasionally. Yeah, that that goal is difficult. Winks has tried tried to flick it with his left foot. Um, it's hit the wrong part of his foot and just gone forward, um, and then it's an open goal. Um, but the way we play, you're going to get that. Teams are going to high press us and put um, our defenders under pressure um, and then things are going to happen. Um, but if you're scoring goals more than the opposition, you win games and get three points. So, yes, it was a bad mistake, but he also created the other goal, so it kind of levels itself out. Something I really liked out after that happened, though, so I, I don't know if you remember last year where every time we conceded goals, it was finger pointing, heads dropped instantly. And it was like it very much became a blame game of, oh, that's your fault. That's like, for example, when like Ward would play a ball into a centre back and the centre back would lose it. It was like Danny Ward would be blaming the centre back. The centre back would be blaming Danny Ward for the pass. I loved the fact yesterday when we conceded it straight away, Hermanson was around Winks. Um Wild phase was as well. I believe Jewsbury Hall almost like arm round him and not letting his head drop, saying chin up kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that's having leaders on the pitch. A leader's not just there for winning. When things go wrong, they put arms around people and make sure that they're okay, make sure it doesn't get to them um, because they're an integral part of the team. You saw after the game, as soon as the final whistle, Enzo made a beeline straight for Winks to put his arm around him and say, come on, we won this. It was a mistake. Let's move on. Uh, and, and that's what great leaders do. Yeah, this is why I'll always argue that Johnny Evans was not a leader. There's two very different things that get confused a lot in football. He was an experienced player, but he was not a leader. No, and and last, last season, we didn't have one leader on that pitch. In all fairness, we didn't have a leader off the pitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we didn't have a leader on the pitch. Whereas this season... You've seen a lot of players become leaders um, who, who, are, who are there. They're taking accountability and, and it's all because of Enzo and what Enzo's teaching them. Um, so for me, it can only benefit the club and, and you can see it in our style of play and, and, and how they're together. Someone makes a mistake and everyone wants to be there and putting arms around them and saying, come on, we've got this. Whereas last season, people would just walk away. Yeah. I can't remember which game it was, but it was um, at the end of last season where there was a Leicester player on the floor and I think there were three opposition players sort of around him. Not one player came over to him to sort of back him up kind of thing. Now you see every time that there's any sort of like handbags off the ball, there's two or three players there instantly backing each other up. Yeah, and if you remember when we won the Premier League, um, it, it was a band of brothers, everyone was there for each other. And that's back. It it wasn't there for the last two seasons, um, or I didn't see it. But this season, it's back and they're there helping each other through the good times and the bad times. And I think it's great to see. Yeah, I think last season was the sort of, it almost, it it increased tenfold of how every, it was 11 individuals and not a team. I think before, the season before, I think it was still there to an extent, but it was being held on to like, uh, by a thread. 
this year, and it's always easier to happen whilst you're winning and doing well. Like let's let's be balanced and call it as it is with that. But like this season, it really feels like all the players are buying into what is being uh, what Enzo is trying to do. Yeah, it's his methodology, um, and everyone's bought into it. Um, and I think it's great to see, and it and it's benefiting the team, it's benefiting the players. Um, from last season, the players look a lot more happier in themselves. Um, and, and it's great to see as a football club that you are winning and the players are happy. Yeah, my mate, who's not, he's a Leicester fan, but he's not sort of, I'd say he's a very casual Leicester fan. We'll watch a couple of games, really. He said something to me uh, yesterday, which was so true. And he, he, as I say, he doesn't watch week in, week out. He's very much a casual fan. He, he says but you can physically see how much fitter the players are now compared to last season. Yeah, I get that. And I was having a conversation with one of my friends the other day around uh, Ricardo. Mm -hmm. so, so we know that under Rogers, the training regime was terrible and there was injuries all over the place. And Ricardo was kind of that character that would get injured, come back, get injured, come back. And um, they've changed the training regime down there. Um, they do different training. Um, it's helping the players. And Ricardo's been injury-free this season, Touchwood. Um, and it's great to see. Um, so they are doing stuff right. And I think they're protecting the players more than they have done in the past. And I think that's also good to see. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But moving on from um, the game against Watford, we put a post out on Twitter, and this is our next point of, like moving talking about Jamie Vardy and what happens next. So with the GOATS contract due to end in July, what would you do? So the three options were give him what he wants, extend with less wages, or don't extend. So 34% of you guys said give him what he wants. 46% said uh, extend with less wages. And 18% said don't extend. So it's... It's a difficult one because, like, as much as there's the old adage of, oh, you can't be sentimental in football, there is a level of sentiment around Vardy. Yeah, there is. Um, so my personal opinion is extending for a year on heavily reduced wages because I think he can help people like Tom Cannon. He's been there a long time. He knows the game. Um, and we've seen Vardy's game develop himself um, and, and how good that's got. So I think one more year um, to help the younger players come on, um, and then he, and then retiring. But I, I think don't extend him on more money or the same money um, would be a stupid thing to do for the club. No, it's like I I think like being realistic about it, we can't extend him on what he's on at the moment because no. it's just it's just not doable. It's like you can't in one breath saying, oh, we've got to be careful with what we're spending. Like FFP is going to be a killer for us. And then give what will he be 38 next season? Then give him a contract renewal with like, I believe, is it 100 grand a week at the moment? Or is it could be more than 140 grand a week? It's like you can't say like on one hand, careful of what you're spending and then extend a contract to 140 grand a week. But at the same time, I think having him around will be valuable, as you said, for your likes of Tom Cannon. But it's like, does it's also you've got to equate, does Vardy want to stay for another year? Or because he could go 
and we've had this conversation a lot where he could go like his options will not be short and earn even more than he is at Leicester right now elsewhere. Yeah, so, so, so for me, I'd, as a fan, I'd like him to stay for a year and, and help the youngsters come on. And I think he'd do a great job there. Um, if I was him, he'd probably, he, he, no doubt he's going to have loads of offers, his contract's coming to an end. And he'll have that decision whether he whether he stays or whether he goes somewhere like the MLS and, and he'll get paid a fortune in the MLS um, and, and be widely received. Um, and it's, it's basically what does he want to do? Um, and the third option is he could just say, you know what, that's it, I've had enough. I just want to spend time with my kids and family, um, so I'm going to retire. Yeah, it's one of those, it's like, it will be very, very interesting to see, but I'm just, and guys, get involved uh, with uh, this discussion in the comment section. I'm just hoping that we don't extend him on the same terms as he's on at the moment, because I think as much as we all love Vardy, and obviously got his 450th appearance yesterday, it just doesn't, that's the one that worries me. It's like if we extend him on his current terms. Yeah, I don't, like you said, I don't, I don't think it makes business sense to do that. Um, you're struggling with FFP, you're struggling with wages. You're trying to get the highest wage, highest earners off your wage bill. And then if you go and extend him on the same terms, it kind of contradicts what you're trying to do as a club. It's not also, isn't like sort of adding to that, it's not just extending on the same terms, it's extending a player that, is will be 38 and he's not a usual 38 year old he still will have some value but it's what how much value does he have to the team in terms of like goals assists and out and out performance it's like yes he's he will have a positive influence on the younger players and in the dressing room but there's only so far that takes you i think yeah i think you're right i think it's all down to him at the end of the day and what he wants to do um Maybe the maybe we could offer him a kind of coach player role um, for a season and see how that goes. And and generally they're on reduced wages because coaches don't get paid as much. So so maybe I, it all depends on him what he wants to do with his future going forward. Yeah, and that that's also if Enzo Maresca wants him around as a coach as well, isn't it? Because it's like Enzo Maresca has been very clear he hasn't really been too bothered about getting rid of people who've been here for a while if it's gonna he wanted his coaching stuff and his methods. It's like, and you look who, who's on his coaching stuff, they're very much like, they're, they're people that are sort of educated in the same way that he is in terms of footballing philosophies. Yeah, whatever the decision, it'll be what's right for Enzo and his team. Um and then after wait it up at the end of the season, he might well say, "Okay, I need, I want another striker in," um, and not offer him a contract extension is, is what's best for the club. And and Enzo will have that, um, I'm sure. Yeah, and they're, they're, we have seen a ruthless side to Enzo as well, so it it wouldn't surprise me. But this is why I keep saying every time he scores, I'm enjoying it. Is like it could well be the last time he scores for Leicester. Like we've just got to enjoy it whilst he's still here. Yeah, I think you're right. I think every time he scores, um, you think, is it the last? Let's hope not. Um, and then he goes and scores again. So, yeah, as long as he's scoring, um, then I'm happy. Yeah, 100%. Let's let's move on to, I nearly said Wednesday night against Tuesday. It's getting really confusing, this. Let's move on to Tuesday night against Wednesday. 
that's got to be three points, surely, looking at in terms of a home fixture, like nothing to nothing to guarantee, but like you've got to be looking at Sheffield Wednesday at home as three points. Yeah, I think so. I think if you look at it, Wednesday is still not doing very well. Um, and, and we're top. We've got the players, we've got the team, we've got the attitude, and it's at home. So I think let's go out there and get three points. Um, probably be a difficult match, um, but I think we're capable of winning that easy. Yeah, I think with Sheffield Wednesday, did they? I think they won yesterday, but haven't. That's their first win in five, and it's like I think, and I'm hoping that the lessons have been learned from earlier on in the season where we went to Hillsborough and rotated like was it six, seven players. We haven't seen that since. No, no, I, I think, I think it might, might have been a bit of a mistake. And we said earlier in the show around maybe one or two rotations works better than wholesale rotations. So I, I'm thinking we'll rotate one or two players. But still, we've still got the squads in depth to, to take the Chef Wednesday apart, if I'm being honest, um, and hopefully get the three points. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. It's all about the three points, but it would be nice to put in a real statement win after... What was a gritty, like, and I don't want to say like a poor performance, but a like a fighting performance against Watford. It would be nice to go out and put a statement past Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see another Stoke game, um, to be perfectly honest, because um, that was kind of, although we, we won 5-0, it was one of them games where you could relax <laughs> rather than be on the edge of the seat all the time thinking, are they going to equalise, are they going to score? Um, but yeah, I'd like one of them games, and I think because of the way the home crowd's been recently, um, I, I think a win like that will help the fans as well. Um, because we have seen some grumblings, um, in some areas of the ground, uh, which obviously we don't like to see, um, because I, I think they're playing well and I'm enjoying watching them. Um, whereas I know not everyone, it's not everyone's cup of tea, so I think a good win like that will, will help the fans as well. To be fair, I think if fans are not on board at this point, they never will be. No, not at all. I think winning the Premier League spoiled a lot of the fans, if I'm being honest. Um, and they expect that week in, week out. And we're not in the Premier League anymore. We need to fight to get back up. Um, it's only one season, um, hopefully. Um, and then we'll go back up and be back in the Premier League and hopefully they'll be happy again. Yeah. But um, one thing that I wanted to talk about before we finished, Ipswich seemed to be dropping away from the pack. They've as my picture on Twitter um, suggested, the wheels have fallen off the tractor, so to speak. Yeah, I did say I wouldn't be up there um, <laughs> before Christmas. Um, I, I thought it was actually good, but I didn't think they could keep up the momentum. Um, whereas we all, we always saw Southampton and Leeds coming through. Um, and I think that's what's happening. Um, we won't say anything about the, one of the, Le- the Leeds goal yesterday where he punched it in the back of the net. Um, but... It is what it is. It's just the standard of officiating in the championship is just it's horrendous. And I'm not going to sit here and say like Leeds are getting favoured. They're clearly not. They're, they've had as many bad decisions as yeah. we have. But it's just it's laughable at times. I saw someone calling it the hand of Bamford. It doesn't quite have the ring of the hand of God, does it? <laughs> no, I, I think I think we can ground results out. I think. What people are getting worried about Southampton and Leeds, but you need to remember we're 11 points clear. That's three games. Mm-hmm. And I know that Southampton have got a game in hand, but we just need to keep getting the results. And we, we need to play Southampton and Leeds anyway. So you just need to keep going and getting results. Um, 
and, and Southampton 2 0 down at half time yesterday. God knows what he said at half time because they came out and put five past them in the second half. Um, so I think they're both playing well. We're playing well. We just need to keep doing what we do uh, rather than keep looking over our shoulders. Yeah, as you say. And I think Southampton are the, one, the team that worry me a lot more than Leeds. And I know I got a bit of slack for saying that on the uh, on my championship panel show. But with with Southampton, this is like this pace is just absolutely relentless. And something that made me laugh, which would be quite amusing, is if Leeds went unbeaten all season at home and still didn't get promoted, which is genuinely becoming a real conversation that could happen. Yeah. No. I think also, if, if it came to the end of the season and Southampton were top and we were second, I wouldn't care as long as we go up. Um, I'd say I wouldn't, I would care because I want us to win the league, but it's like the main priority is getting out of this, getting out of the championship. Yeah. And, and it could be that we get 104 points and be joint top. It's a ridiculous season. Um, but we need to just keep doing what we're doing. This season has shown, though, the fact that all three relegated teams and ourselves, Southampton and Leeds, are absolutely running away from the rest of the pack. Like the, the difference between the Championship and the Premier League, I think, is just growing and growing. And this season has really showed it. Yeah, and I think some of the games we've won, um, and I've seen fans saying, oh, yeah, it was a great win, it was a great win. But then if you look at the opposition, they've been terrible. And I think that gulf has got bigger. I think there's five or six teams in that championship who probably could compete. The rest of them, you, you look at them and, and the, the gulf's getting bigger and bigger, whether that's money or what it is. And players want to go to the Premier League rather than the championship. I think it's really difficult for clubs these days to get out of that league. Yeah, it's always been a difficult league to get out of, but I think it's getting harder and harder. And like something that is is like really really like going to hit home for I think if one of these the three teams doesn't get promoted whether that be ourselves Southampton or Leeds they are going to get asset strips like there's no tomorrow in the summer yeah and, and and I think that's the difference if you look at the three of us we've got the highest wages compared to everybody else in the championship um and and, and that the table shows that because they're playing they've got the best players in the championship they're paying them the most um, uh, and, and all three clubs are doing what they can to get out of this league as quick as they can. Um, and, and it's really, really difficult because if one of them doesn't go up, like you say, they're going to have everything stripped off them because they're then in the championship for another season. Um, squads will get sold, assets will get sold. That's that's why it's so important to get out first time, isn't it? Yeah, that's more important for us because we've got so many loans against Premier League money um, that if we don't go up, I don't know what they'll do. It's, hopefully it's not a conversation we need to be having in the summer and hopefully you will be going up and potentially as champions. But there's still a long way to go before that. But um, before we finish, James, let everyone know, because uh, you said about all the different podcast platforms we're starting to put the Let's Talk, Let's See podcast on. Let everyone know where else they can find us. Um, so we're on every podcast platform, I think. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Google, we're on Amazon. Um, so we're on all podcast platforms um, so just search Let's Talk LCFC um, and then you'll see us I think we're going to release these every Tuesday morning um, so Tuesday mornings you'll be able to download this episode Yeah so it'll be 
the upload time on YouTube will still stay as a Monday, six o'clock, but then obviously Tuesday morning as well. You can tell who the brains behind the operation is here every time there's something technical after I've asked you or Neil. It's, yeah, it's, it's like when we're streaming as well. It's like, Neil, how do you share this? How do you, how do you put that up on screen? <laughs> I promise. I promise on the brains of the operation. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, I think we have just about uh, covered everything. It hasn't been the particularly busiest week in terms of Leicester. Um, obviously, we had the deadline day, and it felt like absolute manic and there was meltdowns left, right, and centre. It's quieted down and settled down with a couple of really good wins. Which again, you can't. Like, it's what you want to see. You want to be talking about what's going on on the pitch and positive results, which is back to where we. We're back to that, which is fantastic. But guys, please do leave a like on the video if you're watching it on YouTube. Comment down below. Subscribe. All of that good stuff. But I'll see you guys in the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.